Next on Making Sense of the Madness, Chris Paul and I will be discussing Biden's new IRS army and other abominations of the tax and spend bill. Also, patriots are taking back their communities and the media isn't too happy about it. We're going to question the mainstream narrative and expose media propaganda right now. A promise. I've never broken my word. Anyone making less than $400,000 will not see one single penny in their tax raise. President Biden breaking his promise not to raise taxes on the middle class. The Senate Democrats look to fast track a bill that multiple now nonpartisan experts say would raise taxes on nearly all Americans. I'll give you my word as a Biden, no one making less than $400,000 a year will see a penny in their taxes raised. The average tax rate for nearly every income bracket would increase. I will not impose any tax increase on people making less than $400,000. Taxes will rise by $16.7 billion in 2023 on Americans earning less than $200,000 a year. No one earning less than $400,000 a year will pay a single penny more in federal tax. Joe Biden has drawn the line at $400,000 a year. The, the committee does say it would raise taxes on people below that line. Yes, you know, it's almost laughable to think that Biden's word of honor was supposed to be considered serious. But today we're going to talk about it with Chris Paul of the Be Reasonable podcast. He's also a writer on his Substack. Uh, Chris, welcome again to the show as you join us every Monday. It's great to get your your analysis here. So uh, first thoughts when you saw that video? Joe Biden honestly can't be taken seriously. He told us a couple of years ago that he had never discussed business with his son, Hunter, and there is a laptop from his son, Hunter, that makes the lie of that obvious to absolutely everyone who takes it seriously in any way. So Joe Biden is not a source of truth and never has been. The idea that he's never broken his word in his career is belied by the fact that he's been getting payoffs for decades and has essentially run a uh, crime family of political corruption for his entire time as the senator from Delaware, the vice president, and now the fake president of the United States. Right. And there's just so many contradictions with this new bill. I mean, let's hear what Bernie Sanders, of all people, had to say about it. I'm going to take a moment to say a few words about the so-called Inflation Reduction Act that we are debating uh, this evening. And I say so-called, by the way, because according to the CBO and other economic organizations who have studied this bill, it will, in fact, have a minimal impact on inflation. So, I mean, this reminds me of our conversations about AOC. You know, it seems like the the super left-wing party is not happy with the regular left-wing part of the party. And so they end up doing counter talking points. Anything else you want to say about Bernie Sanders? Well, I, I think Bernie Sanders is one of the most ridiculous people in American politics and has been for a long time. And I first got myself slightly canceled in Hollywood during the 2015, 2016 um, Democratic primaries where I was forceful in that assertion. I remember at the time, you know, I was asked by 
Hollywood liberals to help out with their Bernie effort. And I remember a quote from the Boston Globe where Bernie Sanders talked about how you didn't need, uh, you know, I don't remember the exact wording, but 18 different kinds of sneakers or 23 different kinds of deodorant in a world where people are starving. And that misunderstands everything about America and about capitalism and about how people's needs actually do get solved. So Bernie Sanders has spent his life for 60 years promoting communism. He calls it democratic socialism. And that's really just more of a marketing term. You know, the only time, you know, there is no ultimate end to socialism. It doesn't stop at socialism. It certainly doesn't stop at democratic socialism. It is a and it's not a slippery slope. It is a direct slope into communism because the socialism never fixes the problems and the solution to the problem socialism never fixes is more socialism. It only always goes one direction and it has the same end it's always had. Um, these people right. are clownish. It's, it's comments like the one that you said that Bernie Sanders made that really shows you the mask slips and they show themselves as real communists, if they really want the United States for everyone to have to wear the same sneakers and use the same deodorant, that is just yeah. so reminiscent of the Soviet Union. So let's take a look. I'm just going to dig deeper into this IRS issue in the new bill. It looks like they're creating an army of IRS agents. See what CNN had to say about it. I think the IRS is going to target the highest income Americans, as the saying goes, that's where the money is. That's where they're going to look to collect the idea that there's going to be this army of IRS agents defending, descending on the average American is just preposterous. It's about as preposterous as raising taxes on people lower than 400,000 a year. And yet here we are uh, discussing it. Uh, Let's get Ted Cruz's perspective on this and then we'll get yours, Chris. So I just ran over from the Senate floor to join you for, for this discussion. But the Democrats are on the verge of ramming through what, what really is a terrible bill. This, this bill will hammer manufacturing. It will kill manufacturing jobs in this country. It will hammer small businesses. This bill will drive up gas prices. It, it has billions in new taxes on U.S. oil and gas production. We introduced amendments trying to take those new taxes out. So all the Democrats say they're worried and want to low ga- lower gas prices. They all just voted to raise gas taxes and to raise your price at the pump. This bill creates 87,000 new IRS agents. It doubles the size of the IRS. Those IRS agents are designed to come after you. They're not designed to come after the billionaires and the big corporations. They're designed to come after small businesses and, and working families across this country. You know, we have the Democrats saying, oh, yeah, we're going to double the size of the IRS. But those people, they're going to be finding the the criminals and looking into the books of the millionaires and billionaires and so forth. But it just makes you wonder how that could be possible when we've already got a big IRS. They already catch all the criminals. There's no there's no shortage of IRS agents. and, And yet here we are knowing that that means that there's going to be more and more. Uh, persecution possibly, but at the very least, it's going to be more IRS agents looking into small and medium-sized businesses and uh, people who don't make a lot of money just to see what they can squeeze out of us. And by the way, the IRS also wants ammo and guns, and you wonder why they would need those. 
Yeah, the ammo and guns thing is really interesting. They are essentially the collection arm of the central bankers. I mean, this is essentially like a mafia-run town. That's what America is becoming. They basically go around to everybody and say, oh, this is a nice house. It would be a shame if something happened to it. And you have to pay them to not take your house from you or burn it down. You know, that's really where we're getting with this. We know the IRS has targeted conservatives before. Um, They can say all they want that this bill is primarily going to increase the taxes on the wealthiest 1%. This is only going to affect them. Well, that's patently not true. It says it in the bill. And beyond that, the case that they're making is trust us. That's what is being said. Trust us. It's not going to be you that they go after. We have bigger priorities than you. Sure, we could go after you. You know, we could send the IR agents to your house, but that's just to make you follow the law. This is not for that because we assume you're all going to follow the law without that threat of punishment. Um, And it just does rely on them thinking that they have our trust and they do not have our trust. Exactly. I mean, what we've had is an erosion of trust in the government over the years. And so to to put themselves in a position where we once again have to just uh, rely on non-existent credibility makes no sense. Uh, and yet this passed. This was 50 to 50. Not one Republican voted for it. It was a tiebreaker with uh, Kamala Harris, uh, the VP, that ended up passing it. So it's interesting because Democrats are taking credit for it and say, hey, we own this. We're the Democrats. We passed this. And yet Really, what it means is uh, that there's no will from the people (laughs) for this to be policy, and yet they're running with it anyway. Uh, So that seems like a travesty, but you know, it is temporary. Uh, We do have the midterms coming up. The power shift is going to happen. Uh, And uh, and so we'll see how much they can, how much damage they can do until then. Uh, But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about how different communities, different patriots uh, at, at every different level, are going against the grain, going against the narrative, and deciding to stand up for things. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll get into that as soon as we get back. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I want to give each and every one of you one last chance to get my original My Slippers. Go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen now. Use your promo code and you'll get your very own My Slippers for only $49.98. That's $90 off and the biggest savings ever. What makes My Slippers different is my exclusive four layer design that you won't find in any other slippers. My Slippers patented layers make them ultra comfortable, extremely durable, and they help reduce stress on your feet. Not only that, they come with an indoor-outdoor sole so you can wear them anytime, anywhere. I guarantee they'll be the most comfortable slippers you'll ever own. And now you can get them for the best savings ever, only $49.98. Go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen now to get your very own My Slippers for only $49.98. That's $90 off. We have extremely low quantities, and once they're gone, they're gone. So order now. We're talking to Chris Paul from the Be Reasonable podcast, and now we're going to get into a segment about citizen patriots and patriots at different levels of our nation who are deciding to go against the grain, stand up for things that they believe in, and they've got the local news owned by their corporate partners to try to do these spin pieces uh, against it, and yet people are not backing down. So the first thing we're going to show, Chris, are these citizens 
who will not fund their local library because there are 90 LGBT books. And so the people who are behind this library, the management and so forth, uh, they're allowing their library to get shut down. They're not going to follow the will of the, the people in the community over 90 books that they insist must be in that library. It's an interesting uh, story of one community that could be reminiscent of many communities as we start to take back our culture. Let's take a look. A library in Ottawa County's Jamestown Township is now facing a big hurdle after voters rejected a millage. And News 8's Megan Bunchman has this story. The controversy behind just 90 books, like this one spinning, books geared towards the LGBTQ community issues, well, that could mean the total closure of this small-town community library. A looming closure for the Patmos Library after a library renewal millage failed Tuesday. Roughly 85% of our budget comes from the the taxpayers, so uh, that's a significant number and we need that number to maintain operations here. Controversy is not new to this library. Its former director resigned after she came out. She says she experienced LGBTQ hate speech. Now, the library's board of trustee president, Larry Walton, says a small group is protesting books on a similar topic. There have been protests about LGBTQ books on our shelf. Uh, We've made it known that Here at our facility, we have approximately 90 um, pieces of material that could be relative to LGBTQ out of a total of 67,000. It's only the the LGBTQ stuff that bothers me with, with my kids in particular. If you're older, you know, and make your own decisions, that's totally fine. But with the younger kids, I just believe that it should be away from that. Very interesting that the, the, you know, the people of that community control that library through 85% of the taxes. So they had a lot more power, you know, than they realized maybe. And eventually they ended up using that power. And uh, I think it's sad that it has to come to the, the library closing down, but that could be temporary till they decide to get rid of those 90 books like the people want them to. Uh, Chris, what's your perspective? Well, you know, this is a, a tough situation. And so I don't want to be flipping about it. Like it is not a good thing in general to, um, to be like precluding books in any way. What we can do, I believe to, you know, the, I think that the, the midpoint is the reasonable position is to make sure that these books aren't available for children. You know, that's, that's, what we are trying to ultimately prevent here. Adults can make their own decisions. Adults can read what they want to read. There is, I don't think any principal way to argue that books of a certain viewpoint shouldn't be part of a public library. So I don't have a problem with the viewpoint diversity. I don't have a problem with the books being in a library. I do have a problem if the books are um, targeted in some way toward children, if they are trying to capture a, uh, a young audience, um, an audience of minors, that's different to me substantively. So I would focus on that part of the issue. I don't want to see a library close and I don't want to see, uh, simple democratic votes choosing which ideas can be precluded from the public sphere. But, you know, the children are the priority. And if, if they're just in the library, they could be in a special section. You know, there's ways to handle that problem. 
it seems to me. Yeah, but what what I think we're seeing here is a cultural pushback. That the things have gone so the pendulum has swung so far in one direction where you do have books of pornography, you do have targeting of minors, you you do have uh, that that slippery slope that's happening and people are just so sick of it. They want to take their power back and then the pendulum swinging the other way where they're saying, "You know what? No LGBTQ books at all in our entire community." Right? just as a way of saying, hey, I, I want to protect my family. I want to stand up for my values. And certainly, I think communities should be able to make their own decisions for their own communities. You know, I mean, San Francisco can have all of the LGBTQ books they want in their libraries, and then conservative small towns can have uh, the types of books that they want in their libraries. Uh, but yeah, you know, we've had fascism in the past where they try to ban books and burn books, and we don't want our country going in that direction. We want a diversity of viewpoints, but at the same time, we have to stand up for our own culture and say, hey, we don't want satanic books in our libraries. We don't want uh, pro-radical, Antifa, communist, uh, you know, type of books in our libraries either. We, we, we have boundaries here. And if our kids have access to it, then we, uh, we draw a line. Let's take a look at a, another story here of a community that's, you know, swinging the pendulum in the other direction here uh, in California, of all places. Let's take a look. If money wants to do, I'm totally for it. We do not support um, what he's trying to do. He is San Clemente Council member Stephen Noblock, who's proposing a sanctuary for life resolution. My request is to have the city council consider resolution basically supporting the concept of life. He introduced for discussion and, and passage a re what he termed a resolution of life. I call it an anti-choice resolution. Council member Chris Duncan is against the proposal, which not only reads that the council would, quote, not only protect life, but also to honor God who gives life. That's right. You know, so you got another community pushing that pendulum in the other direction. We've had the leftists use every tool at their disposal, legal and illegal, to try to prop up their policy. And now we've got conservatives doing the same thing. Chris, what's your perspective on that? Well, I like that people are trying to find creative ways to accomplish uh, political goals. Um, I think it's interesting how the news just covered that. They didn't really get much of the perspective of the guy that this thing. You know, they give us the perspective of what everybody knows. This is stuff that everybody has heard. We've heard politicians say, I am, uh, I'm really just for choice here. That's what it's all about. I just want to protect a woman's right to choose. And we accept that that is somehow a full and complete argument that should be convincing in some way and don't get to the point where we realize that that argument actually does uh, rest on false premises. The false premise being that People on the pro-life side of things are doing this in some way to restrict the behavior of women or to restrict the, the rights or somehow harm the health of women. That's not what it is. They're trying to protect what they see as a distinct life that itself has value. And until we get to that point in the public conversation, this conversation is always going to spin out of control as it has in the past. Um, Cheers to them for, for taking action and trying to find uh, creative solutions. I guess we'll see if it works. Uh, it's certainly being set up narratively to fail. Yeah, and what uh, people don't realize is those two clips that I, I cut, I, I cut them in a way that didn't have 
two or three more minutes of the exact same perspective repeated over and over and over again. I actually cut them so that we got to see uh, two quotes from two people who who had that one side uh, expressed. Uh, but, you know, these are hit pieces. These are propaganda pieces uh, where they repeat the same talking points and in, in, in a very uh, constructed way. And uh, now we're doing we're doing a counter narrative here to to let the other side have its time and its peace. But the, the ironic thing to me is that if you interview regular people on the street and you find out how they feel about uh, killing of unborn children or LGBTQ uh, books for kids. I mean, the majority of regular people are against those sorts of things. And yet these types of policies have been um, been forced upon the people. And so it's it's this you have to have this constant propaganda machine running and running and repeating and repeating and repeating to get those policies to be able to stay in place. Otherwise, the people do rise up and they do find creative ways to get rid of them. Let's take a look at DeSantis taking the power back, using his uh, gubernatorial power in Florida. Uh, let, let's take a look at his latest power move. Governor DeSantis joins us right now to discuss why he did this. Governor, thanks so much for coming on. Um, so this is kind of a big move, it seems like. Why did you do it? Well, Tucker, you documented the destruction that we've seen with these Soros prosecutors around the country where they basically take it upon themselves to determine which laws should be followed and which laws should not be followed. And I can tell you in Florida's constitution, uh, that constitution vests the veto power in the governor, not an individual district attorney or state attorney where they can pick and choose. And so I asked my staff to review all state attorneys in the state of Florida. I wanted to see who was picking and choosing. And this is the guy that all the line prosecutors, all the law enforcement said Uh, He thinks he can pick and choose which laws. And he actually signed letters saying he wouldn't force laws against uh, transgender surgeries for minors, laws protecting the right to life. And then he has all these policies in his agency that are called presumptive non-prosecution. No, the law is presumptively enforced. That's not something that's acceptable. Yes, the Soros-funded DAs and attorneys and so forth uh, have their agenda, and they'll use everything at their disposal to move it forward. Uh, And now, finally, uh, the conservatives are doing the same thing, using their tools uh, to move their policy forward. And uh, this is how extreme or this is how effective, you might say, uh, DeSantis was in this power move. Let's take a look at the image that shows that, uh, yeah, there were police who were physically sent there to get this guy out of his office. He was not allowed to make copies of anything on his computer or anything. Just get his uh, his books and his materials out of his desk and, and escorted out of the building. I mean, this this is way this is a way any governor in any conservative state could be kicking out the infiltrators. Uh, Chris, your perspective. Yeah, that last point is definitely true. I would love to see more governors stand up and exercise what authority they have to stop this stuff. You know, we get to hear them constantly talk about how they're going to stop it, how they need to stop it, how if only this DA would prosecute the crimes, then everything would be fine. Well, they do have power to make sure that this stuff happens. This uh, state attorney, Andrew Warren, is usurping proper power. 
You know, the power to write the laws comes from the legislature. The legislature is supposed to be accountable to the people. These are the people's laws. He doesn't get to be an elected official and then decide that he's not going to do parts of his job that, you know, he doesn't agree with. He's there to enforce the law. I think that this is excellent from DeSantis. I hope we see a lot more of this sort of thing going on because these institutions have been infiltrated. And, you know, tying this into the conversation we just had about the books, part of the books being in these libraries in the first place is is as an aspect of that agenda of infiltration. You know, they they do try to take over the narrative on the most basic levels. Same way with this, they're trying to take over the legal system on uh, lower levels. They can't actually pass the legislation that they want because they don't have the people's authority to do that. And it's the same thing as you mentioned with the tax bill. They passed it 5150 on reconciliation with Kamala Harris voting. They don't care what the people want. And the fact that they don't care about what the people want means that they don't believe they're accountable to the people. Now, why could, how could that possibly be true? The only way that can be true is if the elections are not legitimate. Right. I think that's a good point that a lot of these unelected people who are making a dent in the culture war, you know, you might have some librarian in some small town who's using taxpayer money to buy a bunch of subversive material that's going to affect your children. I mean, you wouldn't suspect it. You wouldn't pay attention to it unless you were hypervigilant. And now we're getting to that point. People are becoming hypervigilant to the infiltration, which is a good thing. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to see how some people in Texas decided they didn't want to see Beto around and they chased him away. I mean, the people, (laughs) they've got everything besides pitchforks at this point. Uh, We're going to watch that as soon as we get back. Government-induced inflation, taxes, rising interest rates, political instability. All of these can have a crushing effect on our investments, often causing the stock market to go down. But they can also cause gold and silver to go up. Hi, this is Dr. Kirk Elliott. Buy gold, buy silver, buy now, but buyer beware. Precious metals companies are not created equal. As a PhD economist, I have been in the financial, economic, and precious metals business for three decades. The philosophy of my firm is people over profit. I encourage you to read my bio to learn more about me at kirkelliotphd.com. Now is the time to own physical metals in an IRA, 401k, and outside of a retirement plan. Don't let the government destroy your hard-earned assets any longer. Call 720-605-3900 or visit kirkelliotphd.com.
That video gave me a really good idea. If there's any deep state asset visiting your community, just blast Kid Rock and chase them out of town peacefully. I think that's a good first step before they people actually do get the pitchforks because they're waking up. Chris, you know, we had uh, Steve Bannon at CPAC really open up Pandora's box, mentioning the real villain behind this underbelly of the beast is the Fed, the Federal Reserve System. Let's take a look. One last thing. The biggest scam they have, the biggest con, is not just the appropriations process and how they fund it. It's the Federal Reserve. Okay? Okay? 0.5% of the citizens of this country own more assets than the bottom 90%. That's all happened over the last 10 years since 2008. Now, we took a monetary base of what, back in the 80s of, what, $800 billion? The balance sheet of the Fed was $880 billion under President Bush, right? The balance sheet of the Fed is $9.5 trillion today. The debt's $30 trillion. We have $100 to $150 trillion of contingent liabilities, all just because we're the prime reserve currency. The greatest export we have is the dollar. But all of that rests on the shoulders of our children and the, our grandchildren. Those are all due bills that are come due. Wow, really opening up uh, the Pandora's box. So you could say going down the rabbit hole. I mean, his speech went on and he provided a lot more data on this wealth transfer that's happened. Most people don't realize that the Fed is charging us, we the people, for the benefit of issuing us our own currency. We could be doing that for free. The interest payments are just billions upon billions of dollars. Uh, this is it. This is the root of everything. And now it's at a conference, a CPAC conference. We never used to talk about that at CPAC conferences. So, Chris, how, how important do you think that is? I think it's supremely important, and I love that speech from Steve Bannon. For your audience, it is absolutely worth watching the entirety of that speech. I think that Steve Bannon is one of, if not the leader, uh, philosophical leader of this movement at large, and I think he is also uh, very in tune with the zeitgeist. He knows where things are headed. And I think that his ability to insert new ideas into the narrative is crucial in this time. I think that he is giving us a preview of subjects that we are meant to be learning about and learning about quickly as we can, you know, begin to really fully feel their effect on us in the real world. This stuff is not theoretical anymore. It affects our day-to-day -day lives, and people need to uh, come to terms with that and then begin to understand it so that we can kind of begin guiding this ship again. You know, it, we can't just rely on uh, Donald Trump or whatever else might be going on to fix everything. We have to understand these things ourselves on a really fundamental level. Right. We had Ron Paul in the past with his audit the Fed, uh, you know, movement. And it was it was minor. Unfortunately, people weren't ready to didn't resonate enough with people because they didn't have enough problems in their day to day lives for it to make a difference. But now we do. We have the problems. We're in crisis. We're in economic crisis. Now people are going to look to point the finger at who's responsible and people are going to realize that it is our very system uh, that's at fault. 
And uh, it's coming to a collapse moment here pretty soon, uh, you know, within months or years, uh, looking at the whole system coming down, we're going to have to replace it with something. Uh, let's take a look at what the World Economic Forum suggests. They think we should get rid of private car ownership. And uh, we got some pushback, even on the media. Let's take a look. And it is time for the Hot Topic Buzz. So get this, the World Economic Forum is now looking to reduce ownership of private vehicles. Yes, the forum claiming that this is a way to reduce global reliance on critical metals like cobalt and lithium as they make a push toward green energy. Digging, give up your car, why don't you? Yeah, the World Economic Forum sponsors that little get-together, that boondoggle in Davos every year. Why do major private CEOs even go to that thing? If this is, these are the policies that the World Economic Forum are espousing, they're essentially saying trying to take away your free will. Oh, you can't drive a car. And again, trying to apply uh, the ideas out of Europe onto the United States. Europe has a lot of mass transit. It's a very small continent. And North America, not so much. So stick that idea where the sun doesn't shine. Wow, just a few months or years ago, you'd have Fox News just puppeting the World Economic Forum talking points. And now you've got a contingent, even on Fox News, which is still propaganda, uh, giving major pushback to their talking points. Chris, is that a bright spot for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy whenever any of these um, like major overarching narratives finally begin to break into the mainstream. I think that those are great signs of progress, and I look for them. I a lot of what my show covers is exactly that phenomenon. You just saw it right there. You will own nothing and you will be happy. They don't care that you have, uh, that you ha- want to have a car, that you need a car to be able to drive yourself to work, to be able to drive your kids to soccer practice or school. They do not care. Cars are not for you. Cars are for them. Now they're having to incorporate the problems with electric vehicles, the problems with electric vehicles and the mass production of electric vehicles and the mass use of electric vehicles. Those things began entering the narrative over the past few months here and there over the past few years. Now people are understanding that. So what do they need to do? Well, we don't want to have too big a problem with the cobalt and lithium and the slavery that goes into actually extracting those materials from the earth. They want to seem like the people who are trying to solve that problem, too. And so their solution for that problem is that you don't have a car. It's not them. It's that you don't have a car. They still want everything to be electric cars. In the analysis. Yeah, on that's Fox, a good though, point. They, they, they're the ones that have the, the private jets and they don't stop mm-hmm. using those. Right. Yeah. And in the analysis on Fox, you know, some of that is the repetition of the central narrative, the idea that this is something that may maybe this works in Europe, but it just doesn't work here because we don't have the mass transit. Well, that's not actually the problem with what they're trying to do. That is a problem. That is a minor problem. That is a talking point. But the problem with what they're trying to do is if you make all cars fully electric and you then prevent people from even having cars, many of them. The other thing is they can also just switch off the electricity and prevent human movement on a large scale. So what happens if there's a natural disaster and people yeah. need to escape? You know, there's all sorts the of scenarios where you actually do need it. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, we 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 had we saw we they let they let the game plan uh, out into the open when uh, they asked Tesla company Tesla Elon Musk as the CEO they asked him to turn off all the Tesla cars in Russia during the Russian and uh, Ukrainian war. So they're willing to have all the private citizens of Russia be pawns in their game and just turn off their ability to drive a car because of some kind of conflict that occurs. And you better believe they're willing to do that to you too. If you say or do the wrong thing, this is all moving towards the social credit system. And so uh, we need to just latch on to those liberties like our life depends on it because it does, you know, because that, that's the ultimate liberty uh, that they want to take away from you is your very own life. And we're seeing that happening uh, with the the vaccine deaths. Uh, we're going to get into that in a moment. But before we do, Chris, I just want to get your perspective. I saw you post on social media about the latest uh, attempt of using a lie to take down Trump. And uh, you were pointing out how comedic it is. Uh, let's take a look on the screen of people are claiming that they found in the toilet something that's in Donald Trump's handwriting as proof uh, you know, that, that he, he did something illegal. I mean, let's, let's dig into this, Chris. <laughs> what was your immediate thought when you saw this from Maggie Haberman, the propagandist herself? Yeah, this seems like a bit of a rerun. They tried to go after this story when Maggie Haberman released the book. I guess that was at some point last year. And she mentioned documents being flushed down the toilet. So they tried to run this story at length back then. They want Trump to have somehow uh, committed this undeniable political crime that is finally going to be the silver bullet that takes him down. And it would be, I guess, at this point, the 500 silver bullet that we've been told about. It's I mean, it is just obviously utter nonsense. This is not an important White House document. It's convenient. What is that? I mean, who's the person that's on there? Is that Roger Stone? What what Roger is that? You know, they always want to tie it to something else and then make it somehow part of the insurrection. They need all of this stuff to connect to all of their larger narratives and confirm them. This is conspiracy theory thinking. They have totally insufficient evidence, and they use it over and over and over to build larger and larger stories based on prior false narratives. None of this stuff is true or relevant in any way. So building a bigger story out of it is not any more relevant. This is ridiculous. It's at the point, I think, almost where even some of the most adamant Biden voters are beginning to understand what's being done to them. Right. And, and they're putting people on primetime television and and getting them to supposedly blow the whistle against Trump about things he supposedly did when he was in the beast. And, and it's just all hearsay. You just have some kind of person who wasn't even at the scene say, well, I heard from someone who would know that this is what Donald Trump did. And if this was in any courtroom, they just say hearsay, throw it out. And now we've got supposedly some relevant document was in some toilet and someone took a picture of it. I mean, talk about a reach. It's just unbelievable. Uh, so let's, let's switch gears and talk about these unexplained deaths that are finally creeping into the mainstream news reporting. Let's take a look. U.S. life insurance companies have reported an overwhelming and unexplainable increase in all-cause deaths among 18 to 49-year-olds. Along with that, there's also been an increase in certain medical diagnoses, such as miscarriages and Bell's palsy. 
Yeah, so, you know, just so many people dying for unknown reasons, they don't really want to talk about what it could be. Uh, we're going to get your perspective on that. We're going to get, take a quick break. When we get back, please tell us what you think about uh, these unknown deaths as soon as we get back. Inflation is out of control. The price of gasoline has doubled in a very short time and interest rates are set to rise. How do you protect and grow your portfolio to make sure that you do not outlive your assets? Invest in annuities that have rate lock. Rate lock is an innovative new feature that allows you to lock in your rate of return at any time during the year to lock in these volatile upswings of the market. And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they're probate free and they can provide income that you can't outlive. With all the different companies, features, indexes, and benefits which annuities offer, it can be confusing to choose which annuity is best for your unique situation. Let a company you can trust help you select a rate lock annuity that's right for you. Add an annuity to your retirement portfolio and start enjoying the many benefits that smart investors love. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. The Cleveland Insurance Group, 844-USA-2024. We're talking to Chris Paul of the Be Reasonable Podcast. There's so many unknown deaths happening, finally getting reported on from insurance companies and, and so forth. And so imagine, Chris, that this was a, another time in America when we had maybe more of a robust uh, journalistic system. People would be probably trying to figure out why are these extra people dying? Not just hundreds of people, but thousands upon thousands, possibly even millions of people injured and dying. And no one seems to want to get to the bottom of it. Isn't that uh, curious, Chris? It is curious. I guess it's just going to remain a mystery what the cause of all these deaths are. Um, I think we know, you know, and I think that it is uh, worth noting that one of the good reasons, one of the ways we're able to know this stuff is because we actually do have a control group. And the control group was all the people who decided not to take part in the medical experiment. And I imagine if that group wasn't there and it wasn't as large as it was, it wasn't as communicative as it was, and we didn't have the ability to compete on uh, at the top level with the mainstream media, we could be in real trouble. You know, if most of us had gotten vaccinated, we would not know that the experimental gene therapy was causing all of these things as side effects. And these are known side effects. We can actually tell this to people. The, the alternative scenario and the one that they clearly wanted, which explains why they were so adamant about forcing everybody to take the shot, they would have these deaths. They would be able to attribute each one of these deaths to the different various causes. You know, one's a heart attack, one's a stroke, one's something as a result of myocarditis. This was just a simple miscarriage because women have been stressed. You know, they, they would be able to come up with a series of excuses. But when you have this variety, this wide, wide variety of, of deaths, you can trace them all to the one thing, you know? Yeah, Chris, you know, it's, it's crazy, this sudden adult death syndrome uh, label that they're throwing on this because they've actually tried to give you a reason why people are dying. And the reason for healthy young people to die 
is because of a, an issue where the, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense, right? It's just uh, it's just something to to give people who are completely brainwashed so they can latch on to something uh, because there isn't anything to latch on to. And uh, we have a control group, not only the unvaccinated in, in the developing world, but the whole continent of Africa, you know, around a billion people uh, have, have very low vaccination rates. So they're also a control group that we can look at as we try to reverse engineer this scandemic. Uh, so I'm glad that you mentioned that. Well, let's talk about monkeypox because I'm going to show you a clip from the mainstream media. And this is the kind of clip that, you know, a few years back when they used to try to scare us with swine flu and Ebola and stuff, we would just ignore it and say, whatever, doesn't apply. None of this stuff ever ends up being anything. But now that we've been traumatized with COVID, you can throw another, you know, microbiology slide of some kind of virus or whatever on the screen and people are scared half to death. Let's take a look. 12 cases of monkeypox have been confirmed in Northeast Ohio. The Cleveland Department of Public Health reports 11 of the cases are in the city. And then there's one case in Lorain County. The department is conducting surveillance and contact tracing. But with monkeypox now a public health emergency, many people still have questions about the virus, like can you get monkeypox from trying on clothes or what about sheets and towels in a hotel? Ariana Daytil verifies. You just booked your Airbnb. Should you consider bringing your own linens and towels? Tweets like these on social media claim that people can get monkeypox by touching clothing, bedding, and towels that have previously come into contact with a person who has the virus. There have been five people worldwide who have died of this, and now every person, millions and millions of people going to different hotels, are supposed to question themselves, should I bring my own towels and linens you know, this is just, uh, this, the risk is just so much bigger than the scare they're doing. This is pure propaganda. Chris, what's your perspective? It is unbelievable to me that anyone believes this. It really, really is. They tried the exact same thing with COVID. And the problem with this stuff is, you know, once this narrative gets in there a little bit, they can find one expert who will go out and say, well, you know, it's probably not going to be the main source of spread, but, you know, it, it's possible. Maybe it could happen in an isolated case. And once you get that far, the next step for them in the way their minds works is, well, better safe than sorry. So you find one expert somewhere who will say that there is some outside scientific possibility that this one thing could happen. And then we treat it as the thing that always happens. We need to what? Wash all of our clothes? Airbnbs? Like, who is worried about that? This makes no sense. All of the statistics, all the data, all of that says this is happening Whoa, within Chris, the gay community and spread through gay sex. If you could save one life, even if it's an STD yeah. that you could possibly one out of a million chance get from a towel, you should just stop going to hotels completely for the rest of your life. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about Elon Musk publicly challenging the CEO of Twitter to a debate and also a new horror movie out in Hollywood. And we can't figure out who the villains are. All that and more since we get back. I'm Clay Clark, and I'm not an inventor. And this is Bob. My name is Bob Healy, and I'm the inventor of the Grill Blazer Grill Gun. Gentlemen, let me introduce you to the Grill Gun. Oh! 
anyway. I need that! Yes! So, Bob, how does your equation work? Okay, now hang on. It's a fairly sophisticated equation. You have a grill gun. It creates fire. Fire plus grilling equals America. You push it down and... Yeah. <laughs> it is a lot of fun. Check it out! <laughs> fire plus grilling equals America. talking to Chris Paul, the Be Reasonable podcast. So recently, Elon Musk, you know, publicly challenged the CEO of Twitter to a debate about the number of bots that are on the platform. I mean, there's a lot at stake here. Uh, they're going to be going to court over this stuff because uh, we've got a multi-billion dollar deal on the table. Uh, Chris, don't you think that Twitter's wishing they could just ban this guy already? Yeah. Yeah, they would love that at this point. It's just going to keep getting worse for them. They're going back and forth in court right now. Um, I guess, would I like to see that debate? I don't know. I think that I probably would, but I would rather have someone in there moderating that debate, not just letting the two of them go back and forth while they're companies are locked in a court battle over Elon Musk potentially acquiring Twitter. That doesn't seem like the proper two parties to be holding that debate. I would like to have the information. I would like to have the information made public, and I would like for our community to give that a strong look over before we simply accept anyone's word for it. And that includes Elon Musk. I like what Elon Musk is doing. It doesn't mean that I uh, trust him when he tells me what's going on. You know, I want to be able to verify. Well, you've everything. already snapped up all of this, the uh, usernames for I'm your moderator. So I think it should be you, Chris, to, to moderate yeah. this debate. Yes. Um, so let's watch this trailer of a, a new movie that's coming out here. It's a horror movie. A bunch of uh, trans LGBTQ kids going to a conversion camp. And uh, I just can't figure out who the villain is in this uh, in this movie. But I'm sure it's propaganda. Let's take a look. It's a great day to be alive, isn't it? Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm guessing that some of you, you're not happy. Maybe you don't fit in. People make fun of you. Well, I can't make you straight, but you give us this week and we might be able to help. Boys cabin over there, girls cabin over there. I use they them pronouns, as in they can't believe they're at this camp. I have zero interest in not being gay. There's no judgments in this room. Sometimes I wish I was invisible. I would understand it a lot more if there was Bible thumping and queer bashing. Do you even believe in any of this? Come in, please. Do you think your parents are disappointed in you? Sometimes. So what do you do? You try to make yourself special. 
you become they. Today, we're going to be exploring traditional gender roles. Look how long they've been doing this. It's time to play. This could get a lot worse. Where's my killer? We need to get out of here. Taste. Just enjoy the sunshine and work on your tan. They slash them. <laughs> I thought it was parody. I thought it was a comedy, but it is a real movie that's coming out. Uh, you know, does Hollywood have to touch this stuff? It's like not only controversial, but it's like they need to make this the central theme of everything. And that's why people are tuning out of Netflix. Chris, uh, you, you used to be in Hollywood, you know, promoter at all these clubs, knowing a lot of the people in the scene, you know how Hollywood ticks. What were your thoughts when you saw this trailer? My thoughts when I see this trailer is that like, this is the crowning achievement of postmodernism. Nothing can possibly mean anything anymore. And nothing could capture that better than what this film seems like it's shaped up to be. Now, I don't want to ju judge a, uh, a movie by its trailer, but this thing looks like it is headed for a disaster. It doesn't matter which parties are they and them almost, right? We don't know how many people are on each side. They could be one person or it could be 20 people. So could them because they have undefined those terms. Who is the killer? Is that supposed to be us? Is that is that the people who are said to be intolerant of alternative lifestyles? I don't feel like I'm all intolerant of alternative lifestyles. I think people should be able to live whatever life they want as if they're not hurting other people, generally speaking. I don't want this stuff inculcated in culture. I don't want children indoctrinated into it. But, you know, if they are at the point of presenting people who disagree with them about an important cultural subject, if they're portraying them now as monsters, they're pretty out of the closet in what they actually feel. It is a hate movement. I say this on my show all the time. Their goals are not political. Their goals are destruction of dissent. And they are happy to destroy the dissenters along with the ideas that they're trying to overcome. If it was just the ideas, they could argue for their ideas. And if their ideas were good, they could win. And then they would have their political goals accomplished. They're not interested in that. They're interested in using force. They're interested in using division. That's right, Chris, because you disagreeing with anything, even though what you described to me sounds like tolerance, but uh, because you disagree with any little bit of the LGBT, LBGTQ agenda, if you don't think that kids should be exposed, if you don't think that kids uh, should be able to make their uh, sex transitions and all these things, then you're a bigot. And even worse than a bigot, you're a monster. And I think that's exactly what this movie is trying to accomplish, is try to paint conservatives and anyone uh, who would present another perspective about being trans or gay or whatever as a, a bigot and a monster. So uh, I think we already exposed it, but we'll have to wait till the whole movie comes out to really dig in. Uh, just to wrap up today, we're going to watch a very inspiring Trump video. Uh, his team just put this out. This is a, a really cool video. So we're going to take a look and then we'll get your thoughts as soon as we come back. 
we are a nation in decline. We are a failing nation. We are a nation that has the highest inflation in over 40 years. Where the stock market just finished the worst first half of a year in more than five decades. We are a nation that has the highest energy cost in its history. And we are no longer energy independent or energy dominant, which we were just two short years ago. We are a nation that is begging Venezuela and Saudi Arabia for oil. We are a nation that surrendered in Afghanistan, leaving behind dead soldiers and American citizens and $85 billion worth of the finest military equipment in the world. We are a nation that allowed Russia to devastate a country, Ukraine, killing hundreds of thousands of people, and it will only get worse. We are a nation that has weaponized its law enforcement against the opposing political party like never before. We've never seen anything like this. We are a nation that no longer has a free and fair press. Fake news is about all you get. We are a nation where free speech is no longer allowed, where crime is rampant like never before, where the economy has been collapsing, where more people died of COVID in 2021 than in 2020. We are a nation that is allowing Iran to build a massive nuclear weapon and China to use the trillions and trillions of dollars it's taken from the United States to build a military to rival our own. We are a nation that over the past two years is no longer respected or listened to all around the world. And we are a nation that is hostile to liberty and freedom and faith. We are a nation whose economy is floundering, whose stores are not stocked, whose deliveries are not coming, and whose educational system is ranked at the bottom of every list. We are a nation that in many ways has become a joke. But soon we will have greatness again. It was hardworking patriots like you who built this country, and it is hardworking patriots like you who are going to save our country. There is no mountain we cannot climb. There is no summit we cannot reach. There is no challenge we cannot meet. There is no victory we cannot have. We will not bend. We will not break. We will not yield ever, ever, ever. We will never give in. We will never give up. And we will never, ever back down. We will never let you down as long as we are confident and united. The tyrants we are fighting do not stand even a little chance. Because we are Americans, and Americans kneel to God and God alone. And it is time to start talking about greatness for our country again. Wow, that gives me chills every single time that I watch it. Chris, I'm sorry that we've run out of time, but people need to make sure they check out your Substack because you're putting out amazing analysis on a daily basis. Thank you for watching AmericanMediaPeriscope.com. We are America's patriot-only network. Get my breaking news updates at SeanMorganReport.com. God bless all you patriots. Good night and good luck. <laughs>